time where you're at? Yeah, 4 p.m. Yeah, 4 p.m. Gotcha. Um, where are you from originally? Tel Aviv, even even later over there. Really? Yeah. Tel Aviv, how long have you been in London for? Well, uh, one year and a week. An wow. Exactly a week. Did you move from Tel Aviv or where were you before? Yeah, 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 yeah. I moved, uh, I moved here from Tel Aviv. Call it 50% because uh, it was good for the company and 50% because I wanted out of Israel and into here. So worked both sure. ways. Yeah, understood. Why is, why is that? Why was it more attractive? I'm just curious. Oh, long story, my friend. Yeah. Israel is a complicated place. Let's, let's uh, leave it at that. So I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, we, do, we do some work in the Middle East, so I can't go to Israel. Because if I go to yeah. Israel, they'll stop me at, at customs and I can't get into like a yeah, long yeah, list of yeah, countries yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild. I, I, and I didn't really understand that before I started going over there. I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is different. This is something yeah. I'd never even thought about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. What's, what's your background? Well, um, computer science and, and sort of data-heavy systems is where both I and my two co-founders come from okay uh, like we met way back we were, we were in school together we did all sorts of stuff um, but uh, when we decided to do something which was the original decision we'll do something back in 2018 somehow through a friend of a friend we got to talking about construction and started well understanding what this industry is really sure so before 2018 you had no experience with construction no no I knew nothing it was embarrassing how little I knew. Wow. Okay. Why? Why do you guys was why was construction so appealing to you guys? Of all the different topics you could go tackle. Well, it was very important for me. Um, I don't know how much you know about Israeli tech. It's usually very focused on like cybersecurity and cloud infrastructure and all sorts of very like tech for tech for tech things. Yeah. Yeah. And. Me and my co-founders, we really wanted it to be something where you can impact something that is real and see and feel the real impact. Sure. And uh, well, looking back, finding construction that doesn't get you know any more real than that. How did uh, how did construction even enter enter the picture? Enter the conversation? Well, you know, it's it's relationships as as is everything, isn't it? It's uh, one of us has a good friend that works for the. Well, not the biggest, but the most ad advanced GC in Israel. Mm. And when he heard from him, because they've been friends from like kindergarten or something, that we're looking to do something, he told him, oh, come on, look, look into construction. And then through him, we met someone who was sort of their first innovation manager in that company. And he just sat us down for a talk saying, look, uh, you you're talking about impact. Come over here. This industry needs impact. This industry has room for impact. This industry has people who are so looking, you know, to to embrace anything that will be real, anything that will be truly impactful. Mm -hmm. They will embrace because all all they're doing is is trying to do a good job. Sure. Um. So so with that meeting, did he outline some opportunities that you guys started to look into, or was that like well, okay, it just, all right? Uh, it was more of a come into construction pitch kind of thing yeah. that he gave us. Sure. And we then went into understanding what this thing is really. So, you know, learning about subcontracting for the first part, you know, very mm -hmm. simple stuff. And we visited a lot of, a lot of 
construction companies and sites in Israel, which in Israel is very easy to do. You always know someone who knows that person. It's a very mm-hmm. small community. So, so we got to speaking to CEOs of GCs and to, you know, the, the assistant superintendent walking around together with them on site and everything in between. Um, and then we also came here to London for something called Open Doors. Uh, they have here like a, once a year, they have a week where construction companies run arranged sort of site tours of their construction sites open to the public. Wow. Really? Yeah. 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 It's a thing they do to A, get people who are studying interested in working on site rather than back in, in the office or in design or something. Sure. And B, sort of for the local community to see what is going on that is causing them, you know, noise and 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 uh, dirt or whatever in their life that is worth it because what's being built here in their community. I think that's um, that's so clever. I wish yeah. that was more of a thing in yeah, the States. Yeah, it's very cool. That would, it's very cool. And that would we, solve so many problems. Yeah, completely, completely. And then we, we were there. And, you know, every time the guy, it's always like the either the superintendent or the assistant super, something like that, who runs this thing. And he goes around the room, who's everyone? Uh, and this is an actual one guy that I, I remember this. He gets to us and we say, oh, um, we're computer software people from Israel. <laughs> and he looks at us like, okay, moving on. <laughs> Never mind. I don't know what you people are doing here, but let's go. Let's move along. So we came to these asking, you know, a bunch of questions, seeing how it goes on and actually found one GC in Israel and one GC here in London that allowed us to just shadow their projects to learn. Wow. And in doing that, you see, I think the the biggest thing for me was you see a weekly sort of subcontractor meeting where you see how there's someone there from the GC side trying to coordinate this whole thing. But nobody actually knows what has and what and what has not truly been done mm-hmm. on site that week. Yeah. And and for me, the, the being in that situation that you need to manage a project in that with that, with that, you know, no context, let's call it, and having to walk the site to know what's going on, or ask someone that will give you an answer that they don't completely know, but they're hoping is right, um, is crazy. Just from I mean, expecting people to succeed in delivering projects this way, to me, seemed crazy. Obviously, they succeed somehow eventually. But, yeah. um, but that, was, that was where we saw things. And then we said, well, this has to change. We have to, we have to build a world where people can make decisions, but get all the information that they need handed to them, not work so hard to have something that is you know, 70% correct and then make decisions based off of that. Well, this is interesting because I, back in college, I used to meet construction business owners. I would just call them up and, and, and either take them to lunch, take them to lunch, but they would always pay or meet them at their office if that was easier for them. And then I'd I'd get connected to others by asking, Hey, you know, uh, who else should I meet? And then they'd connect me to another business owner and it would just be this chain all the way kind of through the business owner community. And I met with this one guy, Steve Channon who had a big general contracting company in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. They'd done you know, hundreds of millions of work, probably billions of work. I, I, I don't know how much they'd, mm-hmm. they'd really done or have done, but he, he had an interesting background. He was a lawyer, still is a lawyer, but took over the company because 
some complication with his father or whatever it was. And, and I kind of explained, I, I want to, I want to be a contractor. And, and he said, just quite frankly, he said, you, you can be a contractor, but here's the realities of being a contractor. Now, the market is not expanding nearly like very quickly for contractors. So if you become a contractor with a market that's not necessarily expanding all that much, you can't go capture new market share. You have to go take it from somebody else. So you're going to go compete against people like me who don't want to give up their market share. And you can go do that, but it's going to be a decades long grind to get to this position. And I think that's changed a little bit with workforce, but it, it is true. It, it's, it's, it's hard. It's so capitally intensive. There's so much to learn. It's, it's hard to get to that big league level. But what he said was, if I were you, I would look at all of the inefficiencies in my business that I don't necessarily have a financial incentive to figure out myself, but I know needs to get figured out. And he said, for example, I couldn't tell you what materials I have on my job sites right now. Why not? Like what other business in the world doesn't know what they have? <laughs> He's like, I don't even know. Uh, and, and that's a huge problem. I know it's a problem, but I'm not necessarily going to go solve it because life's good. I, I don't need to go. I don't need to go solve that problem, but someone does. And that could be you. And so that's what we've done with, with our business on the heavy civil side. And it sounds like that's where you went with with your company is, hey, there's 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 a long list of these glaring inefficiencies and problems in this industry that no one has solved. Instead of going into cloud computing with the other million companies that are doing that in a very busy market and competing with just these Goliaths out there, why not go into this market that's completely underserved? Which completely, completely I get no. And these inefficient I mean, it starts from from for us not knowing what goes on and, and, it, and it, it has been an eye-opening experience you you deploy this product and then you show people things like did you know that you actually planned this scope of work this week in your weekly meeting with your subcontractors we now have this new capability in the system you actually input your weekly plan or three-week plan or whatever it is into build us and it tracks the completion of that and then we give them reports showing do you know that week after week, you're doing less than 30% of what you actually planned? Wow. And sometimes the answer is, but the amount of work that you're doing is enough to hit the deadline. You're just planning like, like a madman for a reason that is not completely clear. And then that fuels a situation on site where everybody knows that what is said in that meeting won't really happen. So they don't, you know, they don't plan according to that, their own resource. And, yeah, and it all yeah. comes down to, I mean, it all manifests and we, we produced this study that we uh, published a couple of months ago that showed all sorts of statistics uh, out of 64 projects we ran this on that, that had our system on them. We showed things like the fact that something we call utilization. So out of the available work fronts that are there, that can be worked on, you know, by, by any, uh, I mean, by all sorts of trades, not the same trade, but... There is work available to be done there. Mm -hmm. In a given week, on average, less than 50% are actually worked on. So you have mm -hmm. half of your construction site sitting there, not being progressed at all. Let's, let's back up a little bit. So what, what is the product you guys created initially? Yeah. So for us, it started from, from this fact of 
seeing something like that weekly meeting, seeing that they don't really have a way to know what is going on. They definitely don't have a way to agree on what is going on with, you know, everyone on site. Mm-hmm. And that that's where it started. So we said, okay, the only way to change that is if we automatically um, capture the data because to expect every worker on site to input something into an app or whatever that will say what was done, what is not done, is, is, it's never going to happen. So it has to be automatic. And also it has to be backed up by something that will show it's objective. Because, because if you're the GC and you know what's going on, that's fine, but your subcontractors need to agree on that too. Mm-hmm. That's why we went down this road of somebody walks around with a 360-degree camera. This like, would be like a GoPro or, or similar. And our tech would analyze that video, comparing that to the design and the schedule and saying, okay, here's what's done, here's what's not done. And when I say done, not done, that could be in this apartment, you have 100 electrical endpoints that need to be roughed in and you roughed in 97 of them. Here are the three that you didn't. So you're at 97% completion for electrical rough in. Um, and it will show that and it will show, you know, and where you're late and where you're ahead, if you're ahead uh, and things and things like that. That's the basic product. It started this way. It started from a product that shows, gives you visibility. What is going on? Mm-hmm. What is done, not done? You can enter it and have a look what work was done in the last week. You can enter it and see where is there work that is incomplete because it's at 95% and just standing there at 95% or is there work that is just lagging behind and is super delayed. And then from then became more of an operational tool. So now you can actually plan in this tool and have it show you how you're doing against your own plans. You can set targets and have it show you if you're working at the correct pace to hit your targets. If you have a target in five weeks time to, I don't know, start installing kitchens. Are you on, you know, are you doing work that is going to get you there uh, at the current pace of work, updating your schedule automatically about where you are, all sorts of tools that become more of an operational tool rather than just visibility tool, which it was before. Um, and we're currently starting to look at, at all sorts of insights. Things like the fact that you are working in a way that is just inconsistent, so it's not going not gonna to end well, or, or that you, to really hit your targets, need to be doing 150% of the work that you are doing week after week and catch that very, very early so that you can you know, still do something about it. So in, in, in layman terms, you're, all you're doing is using video to measure automatically the progress of the job site, compare that with the end design, and from there gauge your productivity, your percent complete, and project out what your schedule looks like from there that kind of thing to inform work more accurately. Exactly. Exactly. That's interesting. Huh? That sounds super complicated. It sounds very simple, but very complicated. Yeah. I, one of my co-founders is, uh, um, well, he's the smartest guy I know. Yeah. So, uh, so he, he's in charge of all the fancy AI behind it. I was going to say, yeah, there has to be a lot of AI behind it to, to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I can barely, 
if someone changes a setting on my camera, it would take me about an hour to figure out what setting they changed if it's just one. I mean, that's how that's how behind I am. No, look, so, it's, it's it's all of us, you know. People are it's, it's part of like one of one of the fascinating things about developing tech for construction is every time we speak to a new project team, we ask them, "Oh, what kind of tools, you know, tech tools though, digital tools do you use?" And the answer nine times out of 10 would be Procore and I don't know, either Microsoft projects or Primavera P6. Yep. That's where the answer stops. So then you understand that we're talking about a situation where most professionals in this industry, it's not that they haven't adopted tech, if you ask me, it's that they've never really been offered tech that is relevant to them. Sure. Now you want to come in with this new thing and say, oh, let's, let's do this. But as you say, people, you know, people get used to certain things. And, and change is not a simple thing. Construction's so odd, and, and especially being a technology provider now in the construction world, because we're a software company, um, and we have a few hundred customers, but on the heavy civil side, we're, yeah. we've dabbled in the GC market, but our product's not for GC. So if they want to use it, great, but we're, we're just not geared for that, that kind of uh, company right now. And it's, it, it's, it's so fascinating because the... Like, I think one of your advantages is not having a construction background because you can sit in one of those meetings and so clearly see stuff that just doesn't make sense, like because you've just never seen it before. So you don't know what it should be and what it shouldn't be, but you know what makes sense and what doesn't. And so you can sit there and and it just stands right out to you. But it could be just how they've done it for 30 years and they don't think twice about it. But then that's also being an outsider is a disadvantage because this industry is very proud. And I think that's one of the reasons why tech has not penetrated it whatsoever is because every time it's served up to them, they're just like, no, nah, we're good. We're, we, we've got this figured out. Well, I'll tell you what, I think it, it is definitely, definitely very proud. And by the way, rightfully so, if you ask me, but it's, it's not just that, it's the fact that the first version of BuildOS is, um, I was the chief of product, but also the only person working on the product at the time. Hmm. And I tend to say that it was, it was a fantastic piece of work. It could have, you know, could be used to manage a project oh so much better. Only thing is, your name had to be Aviv because I'm the only one who knew how to use it. And it didn't actually fit how construction jobs work. Yes. And I think that's the main disadvantage that we had. Construction is a thing that there is so much knowledge and experience that isn't anywhere. Mm-hmm. Isn't written anywhere. Not, not only that it isn't written anywhere, if you ask someone, they will give you the answer of what it's meant to be because that's how they think. But reality is different. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you don't know that when you come from outside of the industry. I had this happen so many times in the last uh, few years. The very first project we did, there was a situation where the schedule, I mean, didn't really add up to what they were doing on site and how, what the system showed. So I was at, I asked this, you know, head super like, man, Nathan, what's going on? Is, is something happening on site? Because this is showing this and your schedule shows that. And he looks at me and says, why, is it, why, why, is, why are you looking at that? It doesn't make sense. And long story short, I tell him, but, but it's this, you know, I picked this up from your schedule. That's, that's where I saw that that's the way you're, you're meant to do it. Hmm. Then he goes, oh, yeah, you know, because, because 
name of the guy who built the schedule. Doesn't really understand construction. He just understands schedules. So that's why yeah. the schedule shows that. But that's not what I'm really doing here. Sure. And you realize that there's so much in experience and, and in relationships and in all sorts of things that is not in the design, is not in the schedule, is not in the, in the guidelines, is not in the spec. Um, and to build a product that works well for construction, you have to understand all those things and understand how a product can fit that. There's um, less. Well, and, and I think people make the mistake of thinking it's, it's very mathematical and it's very scientific. And it's like, yes, everything is built per specifications and plans, but there's so much art to it at the same time, because it's like, it's like getting a Lego set. And you have all of your Legos and here's the final picture, but we're not telling you how to do it. We actually threw the instructions away. And so I expect the Lego to look exactly like that, but how you do it, I don't know. That's for you to figure out. And, and that's what's in everybody's heads right now is that, that art form of actually building something with all of these different constraints and variables out in the real world that don't come up on a computer screen or don't come up on a, on, on a set of plans. And it's, I, I see software providers make this mistake too. Of they, Like you said, they make their products way too complicated. And yeah. we've, we've, we've started tackling online learning and training. And there are, there are a hundred better training platforms, online video-based than ours, but they all have you know 99% more features than is necessary in the yeah. construction industry. Yeah. And so when we've met with, I don't know if you've gone, you know, raised venture money, but we've met with probably 50 firms over the past year. And I have to explain to them, hey, I know video-based learning and I know our platform doesn't look all that groundbreaking because it's not, because in the markets you're used to looking at, this is very elementary and they were there probably 10 years ago. This has never been done in this market before, and it needs to be this simple to work in this market. And that's not to say construction's dumb or less intelligent than finance or real estate. It's just different, and you have to apply a different approach. The complexity, you're not rewarded for the additional complexity in this yeah, market. Exactly that. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I showed uh, a VP of a Californian GC at some point. He asked me, oh, how do, I, how do I know in your product, you're showing me that the project as a whole is, I don't know, 6% delayed, but how do I get a breakdown of that, of what's actually, you know, getting down to, oh, kitchen cabinets in, in floor five and drywall on floor 10 or what's, you know, making up that 6%, whatever it is. And I show him the system and how you go about it and you do this and you do that. He looks at me and says, and you think I have time? <laughs> to go through all that analysis that you just did now, do you know what my day looks like? Uh, I no, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, got you, got you, understood. Yeah. So it takes a while to understand, you know, the real, the real status of this industry. It takes a while to understand that you're talking about people that you expect them to use in my world data, but they have two minutes, two minutes. That's mm -hmm. what they can give you because that's their day. That's what it is. There's always a fire to, you know put out there's always a meeting to rush to there's always something to do so you gotta make it simple enough so that it fits in two minutes and maybe it means that it you know they it, they don't get to the holy grail of insights but at least they'll get to it yeah well and but and, and you 
as a company building a solution like this, you have to have the humility to not make it about you to even get there. Because I see a lot of technology providers too, they have this arrogance, I know best, and that just yeah. doesn't work. No. <laughs> like, no, no, no. You're going to go get your ass kicked in this world because these contractors, they don't care if you know best. They don't care if you're right. They don't care no, if you have the best product in the world. They just don't care. You really don't know best. You know on paper. You know yes. best on paper. Yes. But you don't understand the complexities of reality. Someone told me once that construction is both the simplest and most complex thing in the world. Mm-hmm. He said, I could teach you, Aviv, how to build a drywall, you know, and in two hours, you'll build a wall. It won't be the best wall in the world. It's probably be, you know, a pretty lousy wall, but it will be a wall and it will stand. But at the same time that that is true, to teach you how to manage a project like this, you need to be with me now for five years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what it is. And, and if you think that you can come from outside and say, oh, construction is a simple thing, you know, activity after activity, thing after thing, get the work done. Send in the subcontractor, get it done, pay them, boom, done, and build a product that is, ah, oh, I, I know best. No, you're gonna you're gonna run into trouble because it's reality isn't isn't the theory. Absolutely. When did you guys start? You said 2018? Yeah, 2018. Late late 2018 is when we um, raised the first funds and actually started the company. I mean, we were working on it and understanding it a bit before. The first version of the product that wasn't just testing. Uh, was deployed in late 2019. So we mm-hmm. did the first project ever started on September 2019 uh, and running since. And what, so you've raised probably several rounds since? Yeah. Yeah. How, where, where have you raised from uh, like industry firms or just general? Firms? A bit, uh, but not so much. Mainly general um, venture capitalists. Yeah. Um, that's the majority of our uh yeah i mean we've raised a total of 106 million and holy smokes yeah it's a lot of money uh, no kidding which is, uh, a bit a bit stressful at times but, but yeah yeah and most of i mean the vast 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 majority of that comes from vcs so you've done probably four rounds five rounds four rounds yeah four, four rounds. yeah that's that's no joke. That's that's, that's no, 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 no joke at all. Seriously, <laughs> man. Um, so what what have you learned along the way? What what have the lessons been? The insights that that you've that you've learned? You've hinted at some of them, but yeah. What's been what's been most interesting? Well, first of all, I think that it goes back to you know how do you build a product in such an industry? It's the understanding that in order to provide you know, a feature, you have to have someone spend weeks with construction people, Mm -hmm. ideally on a construction site with them, shadowing them, chatting to them, looking at how things are run, whatever it is. And then the latter end of that process to actually design, you know, whatever, a dashboard or something and develop it. But the understanding of the problem and the complexity of the problem, that that requires a whole lot of work. Um, and then from the from the customer's side, I think you're you're in, in some ways I am shocked that that buildings exist and function mm-hmm. because the fact that a a five person project team tries to deal, as a GC that is, tries to deal with everything they're trying to deal, 
uh, and get this, I don't know, 20 stories, 200 apartments, or, or 10 stories office space, or whatever it is, um, done and done right, and somehow get there in a world where they don't have the tools, they don't have anything fed to them. They, I mean, they work off of experience and, 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 and gut and hunch and just grind and hard work. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I think, by the way, that's part of, part of the challenge that the industry is facing now is that younger generations maybe aren't as up for that of saying, yeah, I'll just get, you know, I'll, I'll get it done no matter what. I'll work my ass off, excuse me, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, um, because yeah. It, it is a very stressful job, very stressful job. I, um, I've never been the biggest fan of general contractors, and I've talked a lot about that, mostly because it's, they're just always rude for whatever reason, whenever I'm on site. Every time there's a, I'm on a site with a GC, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to have a problem, and maybe <laughs> it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy that I have problems <laughs> with them because I have a bad attitude about it, but I, I, I stay away from GCs in a lot of ways too, because it's just so complicated. Dirt, to me, it makes sense. I can visualize it. I understand the flow of it. I understand compaction and phasing and the equipment. It, it's all kind of right there. It's just, it, it, it makes sense in my head. But then like they're building these massive buildings right next to our, our, our office right now. And I look up every day and I, I just look at how straight up and down the building is even. And that, that to me, is amazing. How do yeah. they get it so straight? And it's just like a bunch of dudes that's not this at face value, this well choreographed dance by any stretch of the imagination. It looks like just a bunch of people just having at it. And after a year, there's this perfectly straight building with this beautiful glass facade and all of the lights work and all the plumbing connects with one point ultimately. And it to me is absolutely incredible and then you have something like that that's so spectacular and yet you have a lot of society in jobs that are honestly far less meaningful and far less skilled far yeah. less skilled Probably. sitting there thinking that they're better off and, and they're yeah. smarter it's like what okay so you go form up a column that's perfectly straight have at yeah. it like you, yeah. you can have as many tries as you want. They still probably couldn't figure it out. It's so, the skill necessary is so incredible to me. It's, it, is, it is incredible. When, when we did that open doors thing that I talked about, so on one of the jobs, they did this cool thing. They let you try brickwork. So brickwork is like a very big thing in, yeah. in the UK. Yeah. So they let you try, you know, they showed you how, and they gave you like, you can do it. Um, and then, you know, in, in five minutes, you did like two bricks that are by, by some level properly done can be accepted somehow. Yeah. And then, and then the, you know, the instructor comes and tells you, well, these two, eh, if you were like the junior, junior, junior guy, maybe I'd accept and tells you, Oh, uh, a skilled guy does, I don't know, like 1200 an hour or something. Mm -hmm. What? What? Sure. Um, so yeah, from from the workers on site all the way to you know to the guys managing this thing, I think it's it's tremendous skill and motivation that is required. But obviously, it's not an easy thing to do. So I, I get why people, why many people avoid it. It's just 
it is very, you know, I speak to our customers, many of them get worn out very quickly. It's, just, it's, it's, it's not easy. How do you, how do you approach, um, how do you, how do you approach having this information? Because oftentimes the information you have could tell a completely different story. Like ultimately, Hey, you're not getting nearly as much done as you're saying you're getting done. And if you have the data saying that, if you just walk up to that superintendent or whoever, project manager, whoever it is, and tell them that, it probably wouldn't be very effective. It probably wouldn't be very well received because they would take it, you know, it would be a hit to their ego. Oh, so you're telling me I don't know how to do my job. How do you, how do you massage that and, and make it so it's the information's well received rather than, oh, screw you technology folks? Yeah, definitely. I'll, it, it, by the way, that is true all across the chain. I mean, um, sometimes we work, and you know, as I said before, that VP could be using or wanting to use this product. And I think, and we even have one, one major tech company that uses us, as in deploys us on jobs where they're building their offices, ah. and then gives us as a tool for the GC. But they also have access themselves. And we always explain to everyone, look. At the end of the day, the way you're really going to get value from this product is if your site team uses it, because mm -hmm. it's a product meant to, to, to deliver a job more efficiently. And they're delivering that job, not you, the VP back at headquarters, and not you, the client, the owner, wherever you are, they are delivering it. So you need them to be using it. And that means that that's the people we always engage with. You know, we'd go to the super, we'd explain to them how this tool can be used, we'd explain to them what they can do with it and how they can use the information when they're having discussions with their superiors or their client. So not as in here, client, here, VP, take data that you can go and you know, bat the project team with, but here, project team, take data that can help you and you can also take to, to that VP when needed um, to discuss things with them. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you implement something like this, what's typically the first thing to be revealed on most sites now that you've been at this for a few years? Well, I think the, the, the magnitude of, of misinform misinformation, hmm. as in you'd have a schedule update where you see that the input to that schedule update is that something, you know, duct work on a floor is done because the subcontractor said they're done, said that they did the work there and everything. And the fact of the matter is, that 60% of it is done. Mm -hmm. And that's usually not that subcontractor lying. It's them either thinking they're done and, and not knowing better or saying, oh, yeah, but this, I couldn't do that because there's a problem there. There's a problem here. And they're done to the extent that they could be. And they also didn't really recognize that the parts that they couldn't do is 40% of the work. They would imagine that it's like 10. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you and I could walk into a floor and look up and we'd come up with very different numbers of how far along that work is there. So it's just, it's, it's not a human thing to do to look and assess completion. Sure. Um, so that happens constantly. We do this thing, we call it uh, the trust building exercise. The way it works is that the project team will supply us with their current progress updates in a schedule file, an Excel file, whatever they do, in a weekly meeting summary. And we'd compare that to the system and show them everywhere that, that we're showing something different hmm. and show them why. And then it opens people's eyes to the fact that 
holy, what? But but they told me that this is, oh, because, uh, oh. And they suddenly realize just how much is unknown to them many times because, because you can't be everywhere all the time checking everything. No matter, mm-hmm. no matter what someone says, nobody checks every little piece of work to see that it is done. It can, it, you can't do that. You, you, you'd die trying. Sure. Is there, um, are there instances where subcontractors are, are saying work's been completed for the sake of billing? I don't know why, to be honest. Yeah. I can't tell you that at, on the very, very first project, our tool came up with two very substantial things. One is it showed that the guys installing the drywall, they said, oh, a schedule has to be adjusted because we can't do one floor of drywall in two weeks. It can't be done. There's too many steps there and complexity. It cannot be done. And this is a, a residential project. And then the GC used our tool to show that in one week, um, they did, or sorry, in those two weeks, they did, they completed half of the apartments or a bit more than half and not the other half to come back to them and tell them, well, if you can do half of the apartments, you can do all the apartments. It's just about manpower mm-hmm. and materials. It's not a matter of, you know, the, the steps that it takes to build up an apartment because each apartment is, is its own thing. Mm. Um, so that happened. And then one of the other subcontractors, this tool showed like a massive error on their end. They installed sort of a, a facade wall wrong in a way that would have created a window um, one meter or created a window one meter or three foot out of, out of place where it should be. Uh, and then it happened to realize that that happened in two other places on that project as well. Mm-hmm. So... So showing, you know, showing the truth about the delay of one guy and showing like big, big errors on the other guy. And I was sure that these two people probably and their companies hate Bill Dots and me because like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You outed and then I got me. to site and they both came up to me saying, we want to introduce you to other GCs we're working with. And I'm super surprised. I'm like, what? Why? Hmm. And they tell me, look, I'm trying to do a good job. I just don't have that information either. Hmm. And at the end of the day, I need to finish this and get it done right. And, and, and if I don't, yes, my GC takes a hit, but I take a hit too at some point, you know, at some point I need to fix that wall and that window and everything that is cause of that. At some point I need to complete that apartment and the fact that I can work here efficiently and get more done, I want to know that. So really, you're just benefiting the project and me as part of it. And That's when that is the attitude, I love it. Truth be told, there is sometimes people who think to themselves, Oh, I'll now have all the data in the world in my pocket, which means that I can win every argument. Because if only I have this data, you can you can tell any story you want with that data. It's just about how you cut mm. it. Um, mm. I'm not a, the biggest fan of that, but it happens. Um, but but luckily, I guess, um, or happily, I can say that most teams, most GCs, most subcontractors just want to get the job done well. And so they're happy to, to take it to the more positive side. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I, I think there's, there's a lot of parallels in, in the heavy civil space. I think, uh, yeah, everybody wants to do a good job. I think most humans just 
on their own, no matter what they're doing, they f- you fundamentally want to do a good job. You fundamentally want to improve. You fundamentally want to excel. And I know a lot of people view people in a negative light nowadays, but I don't, I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I think we've just been so comfortable that you can't blame people for not doing a whole lot. But I, I think fundamentally people do really want to go excel. And uh, there's a lot of the problems I see is down to ignorance. Like one of the big things going around right now is it's not a perfect parallel, but it's it's similar. It's the the mental health awareness in the construction industry. Yeah. And, and you start bringing up the figures of how many people die by suicide in the construction industry per day. And all the contractors say, I had no idea. And then once they are aware, they do start doing something about it. Like there's there's a lot of things happening right now about mental health in the industry for the very first time because of this additional awareness. And uh, I, I, I just think, yeah, there's just not a lot of information shared. And I think partially the structure of the industry prevents a lot of information sharing because everybody's competing with one another at the end of the day. And so it just trains everybody to keep what they have to themselves, even though it's not in their best interest to do so. And they yeah. would be much better off sharing that information. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But everybody is so secretive about what they do, even though it's the same thing in most everywhere I go, um, that it, it kind of hurts them at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, completely, completely. We see that too. And and you can also see that, you know, the flip side of that, when people, for me, coming here for the first time to the UK was like, whoa, because you come from Israel. And then... There are more deaths in construction in Israel than there are in the UK. And the UK is a, uh, a country of close to 70 million people. Yeah. Israel has less than 10. Yeah. And still that figure stands. And, and then you've come here and you see why. You see that this industry here at some point started taking health and safety very, very seriously and collaborating on that as well as an industry and producing figures and looking at root causes and everything. And then you're at a point here where I walked onto the first job in London that I ever walked onto, and they had a big sign at the entrance saying, days without incident, 600. Mm-hmm. And I asked the guy, the super, what, it, what do you call an incident? And, and the response was either somebody needing uh, medical attention or not showing up to work the next day. And I was shocked that if that's the definition, 600 days. 600 days, I'm like, holy, whoa, in Israel, that couldn't stand for 60, that number. Sure. And, and it's because they did this thing, collaboration, and, you know, mental health, they now have a, like a, a dedicated mental health first aid person on every uh, project. Hmm. Uh, somebody that's, you know, that's been trained for that. Not someone that's, that's not their sole role, but they've been trained for that as well. Um, and all sorts of things that are a result of everybody discussing this issue, sharing their information, sharing their analysis, their, you know, everything. Yeah, I've, I've heard the UK has done a great job on safety, but they've also gone way overboard in a lot of ways. Yeah, and some people say that. Some uh, people say that. That's, that's, I've frankly stayed away from the UK because it's like, ah, I, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with all that right now. So I've just been going to Germany and we're going to the Netherlands and Sweden and I'm, I'm sticking yeah. over there for right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but I'm just painting with a very broad brush. What What's the difference 
between, so you work not just in the UK, obviously, you work with general contractors, you said in California, so you're working in the States. Yeah. You're working in multiple countries. Yeah. We're working in the, in the UK, in Israel, in the States, in Canada, uh, Germany, France, and the Nordics. And then a bit, there was, there were other instances. There was a project in Japan or two of them yeah. or a few of them. Uh, there were a few in, you know, other, otherwise in Europe and stuff like that. What are, what are the differences, the most interesting differences you've seen in building things other than that, what we just talked about with safety? Yeah, I think there's, there are slight differences in the way things are actually built. They're not the interesting bit, but there are slight differences. Yeah. You know, just, uh, in the U S every project starts from wall framing and then at some point, you know, drywall boarding up. In the UK or in Israel, when you build drywall, that first visit of the drywall subcontractor will be framing and boarding up one side, mm. which is just interesting to see the two different techniques. Um, but I think the more interesting part is how a job is managed. Mm-hmm. So if you look at you know, a, a, a job or a site team in, in the States, a project team, and you have that you know, PM route and superintendent route sort of. And that, that, that double-headed thing that, that controls a project. Uh, and it's not like that here at all. Um, here, somebody fresh out of, call it, you know, of, of a studying will become like what they call a site manager or, mm-hmm. or, or an assistant site manager, which is sort of like an assistant super. Then they will turn to a project manager, but that's not the same project manager as in the States because they have, they have people dedicated to commercials and to scheduling who are not like those PMs. So you have somebody that starts off as, as the proper site person, becomes a project manager and then a project director, which is more like a, the, you know, the person in charge of the entire job. Uh, and then you have people dedicated specifically to commercials and scheduling Versus the U.S., where you know that's that's very different. Uh, there's no there's no estimator on site that is that is in charge of monthly billing every site every every month. Sure. But that happens on every UK job. That's how it works. Yeah, the the project manager on U.S. sites is like the most overworked person on that site, guaranteed. Yeah, so I think <laughs> I think both the project manager and the superintendent are extremely overworked. I mean, the team here. Just uh, a project team here would just be mo- far bigger than that exact same project in the States. Um, it's just the way it is. The tra- traveling to the, the cultural differences are so fascinating with just the overall attitude I've noticed. Like I did uh, last year, I, I, I saw sites, I saw, I saw work in Switzerland, I saw work in France, and then I saw work in Germany, all within a few days of each other. And the Swiss... They're the Swiss. They know they're the Swiss. They're good at what they do. And they, they're not, and I, I do like the people I was with, they're still contractors. So there wasn't an arrogance, but they, they know they're good. Like there's no, there's, there's no question about it. They're, they're, they're aware. And then you go to uh, France and it's just a lot more laid back and kind of chill. Like we're just kind of, yeah, we're just working. Like we're just doing, doing what we do. And it's not less professional, but it's just way more chill. And then you go to Germany and it's very rigorous. There are rules and you follow the rules. Like if there's a, there, there's no discussion about the rule, the rule, yeah. 
is the rule. And yeah. an American would come in and be like, well, that's kind of a dumb rule. Like, well, I don't, I don't need to follow that. And, yeah. and oftentimes we would just do our own thing. But the, the, even just the cultural differences, even though oh, they, they could just be building something the exact same in every country, but even just the cultural differences towards management to me is f- so fascinating. It's very fascinating. Look, we, as I said, we had a couple of projects in Japan and on one of them, suddenly the guy tells us, look, I have a problem with your product because your product is meant to help finish on time. You know, it's meant to help deliver the projects on, on, on schedule. That's, you know, m- managing the delivery. That's your main point. But I don't have a problem. I- I'm, I'm never late. And, you know, that sentence is like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And the answer was, because my subcontractors, when they say that they will do something, like, we will do this amount of work next week, no matter what, they will get it done. Because it's a matter of professional honor. Mm. If you said, if you agreed, then you will get it done. And if need be, you will over-resource the job just to make sure that you get it done. And yeah. that's just their culture. And so they're never late. And, mm-hmm. and, and he says, you know, you could claim that maybe we, we overspend because we spend so much resource just making sure that we will not be late. But that's just how we work. So you, sh- you, you tell me that one of the main things that you can do with Build Us is sort of align everyone and create accountability on you know, taking ownership of what they didn't achieve. But, but my subcontractors always achieve everything. Even if something else is causing them an issue that's not their fault, they will still achieve. They'll find, they'll achieve. It's, yeah, I, I've, I've read a lot about Japan and how failure is not tolerated. And, exactly. and so that, that's, and there's a, there's a lot of studies about entrepreneur entrepreneurship in Japan because there's there's not a lot of companies started because if yeah. you fail you, you like that's the end of your career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and at least in the states it's like yeah, you know, we'll give it a shot and if it doesn't work, we'll give it another shot and if that doesn't work, we'll just I don't know, probably give it another shot. Like we're, we're just going to keep on trying. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. but there it's like you, you yeah, it, 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 there's there's no tolerance for failure societally. All of this is interesting too, because uh, the industry is obviously struggling with the workforce thing, and yeah. it's it's happening around the world in any developed nation. the The difference is, a uh, like a company in a lot of places. Uh, in in developing, I've been to developing nations, still developing nations. They don't really care about the labor thing because they can just import labor from yeah. wherever it is: Africa, India, Pakistan. Yeah. And but but any developed nation like a Germany, like a Canada, United States, uh, uh Britain, they're all getting squeezed right now. And that is where efficiency comes into play. Because I think it's not just we need to input more people. So if we have a million people in the industry and we're gonna lose half a million, the answer is recruiting another half million. So we get back to that million. I think the answer is mm, no. How do we do the same amount of work with 750,000? So we just need to recruit 250,000. <laughs> because there is no, there's no other choice, is there? There's no. not going to be another 500,000. Let's just face it. No. Um, and that's a very interesting part because, you know, for us, we've always, this product attracts 
work in place attracts you know progress so that just shows you if you're doing what's needed or what's not it doesn't actually in its own right talk about okay but how how productive is the workforce and we recently started looking into that so we're we're working with our customers in a way that we get the information about the workforce that is on site either from because they have turnstiles you know that that, that track that or apps to track that or daily logs of the, of the superintendent whatever it is um, that has that information and starting to show reports on when are they productive when are they not and and try to understand together with them what's causing when they are what's causing when they're not this whole thing started from i one of our customers asked to do this they provided us with data from their turnstiles and said, can you produce a report uh, that shows how, how many square foot of wall does each person frame in an hour? We're Interesting. Like, okay, sure, let's, because we have exact data, of, you know, how many square feet were, were framed. And you connect to that, the, the resource bit, and you, and you know the answer. And we produced this report is that as a sanity check, I started calling up all these people that I know worldwide in the industry to ask them what the number should be. And mm. nobody knew that I got numbers anywhere between 18 and 180 square foot. Wow. Um, like just, and, and I started doing this in all sorts of, you know, when I give presentations and stuff or, or just roundtable discussions, I ask, who here can tell me what, what's the number? Square foot of, I don't know, framing walls, drywall length of, of feet of, of sprinkler bars, whatever it is, it, nobody knows the answer. Nobody knows the answer. Um, and we started doing this thing and just trying to help, help uh, our customers understand what's causing efficiency and productivity and what's causing less productivity. Obviously, we don't have all the answers, but with our data and our data analysis capabilities and their understanding of their project and their projects and their processes together, you get to some some interesting things. And even just knowing productivity, even just having accurate productivity information allows you to bid a lot more effectively. Because oh, yeah. that's, that's one of the big flaws I see in estimating, and this is coming from a guy that knows nothing about estimating, is that everything is bid on historical information, which is like, that's, that's great, but one, you're making the assumption that that information is correct, which, as you're saying, is oftentimes not at all the case. And two, now you're you're locking yourself into production numbers that you did in the past. It, it doesn't. It, it's it's only looking behind you. It's not looking in front of you. You're not asking yourself really, how do we do this better? You're just plugging in how you've always done it, Completely. which which then leads you to just continue to do it how you've always done it. Complete, look, we just recently had uh, a relatively new customer that asked us you know, to do this thing with them. We did it for the first time with them. And we produced the number specifically for that uh, drywall subcontractor, the carpenter. And, and we came up with the numbers and they have their figures that they use to sort of plan jobs. And the figures were things like, for instance, that they do 77 square foot of, of, of drywall boards installation per man hour. Mm -hmm. And our system showed that on that, that job, they didn't do 77, they did, uh, I think it was 18. Wow. Or 20. 
And then the guy who's in charge of that all on their side, in a meeting with, with his CEO, yeah, because, but everybody knows it, just looks at us and says, well, you know, our figures are from 1985, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah th- but that's, that's the crazy thing is a lot of yeah. times these figures are, yeah, are, are, are really old. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Because, because measuring it is so difficult. You'd, you'd have to spend so much effort to get new figures that nobody has them because it's, it's unbelievable to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that's, that's basically the, that's why we set this company up to say, it cannot be that everything we want to know about the process we either say, ah, never mind, or need to spend unbelievable amounts of effort and resource to measure. It, yeah. It sense. It's, uh, there's a lot of parallels to earth moving too, because I, I watch the, they'll have like a little iPad nowadays with their, their uh, job software. That's, it, it's working okay, but they don't really know what's going on. And they ask the crew, you know, when you're earth moving, for example, not even anything other, anything more complicated, you know, how many loads did you get today? And they look down on their clicker typically, oh, I got 101. Okay. And then you type in 101. <laughs> but then every company that does the drone surveys, typically, they're, they're almost always coming up with different information. Yes, but that's well. that, but, but you're not historically using the drone surveys because that's kind of a newer thing. You're using whatever the operators are. And that's not to say the operators are doing it wrong, but you're still just, you're relying on. No, it's, it's the fact that it's not, I always say there are, there are this day and age, there are some jobs that are meant for a computer mm-hmm. and walking around or standing in place or looking from about or whatever it is and counting endless things. Yes. It's just not something that, that a person should be doing. Yes. Yeah, the but th- this this world, especially in the trades, they're so quick to attack technology because it's viewed as stealing jobs. But <laughs> I'm qu- I'm pretty quick to ask, like, but no one wants to do that job, so why not automate it? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's, no, it's no, no one wants, wants to do that it. job. It's <laughs> also the fact that um, we recently had a had a a, a prospective customer that has since signed just recently, that the, the guy in charge of the project there said, look, but, but your project is, is not cheap. And I reckon I, reckon I, I can just hire another, another superintendent. Uh-huh. And then I told, we said, you know what? Let's not get into the debate of can you achieve the same results with another superintendent, yes or no. Let's just say, you said you have an opening for a superintendent. You have had this, such an opening for close to a year now, you're just not finding someone. So what's the point of this discussion? You know? uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, there, there was a, uh, uh, that, that's a great way to look at it. I, I was having a discussion last night and they said, you know, there's this, there's this old timer in our loader that keeps getting, that was kept getting pissed off at the young guy in the truck driver or in the truck who's, who's inexperienced and getting trained up. And, and, and they're just, they're just bickering they're, they, they, The old timers just kind of, kind of just yelling at the kid. And, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of times that the old timer would say, you got to just fire this kid. He's worthless. And then, you know, okay. What if you just agree with him? Yeah. You know what? You're right. We should fire him. Let's, I'm going to go fire him. And you can also drive the truck then. 
because who else is going to drive the truck? (laughs) 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 If you you just agree with them, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's just quickly, like, we live in a different world today than the world in which you grew up in 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even. It's just, it's a different reality. And that's not a bad thing. It's just different. It's just different. And I, when I, when I talk to people, I'll pull up, and this was from a great example from Randy, but I'll pull up a, a picture of the construction of the Hoover Dam with a guy not wearing a shirt working. Yep. And I said, hey, if we were to build the Hoover Dam again today, would we do it differently? And every, yeah, we would. People, at, at, at minimum, everybody would be wearing a shirt because <laughs> you, you yeah. can't. You can't not wear a shirt on a job set anymore. That's yeah. that's not that's not acceptable. And is that a bad thing? I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like we would do it differently. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. But you know, we said that before. It's just change, especially when there has been so little change for a long time, is just difficult. You know? Mm-hmm. Um it's just difficult. And we see that. We see, we see that you have these supers who have been doing it the same way for 30 years. And people say it's because, oh, you know, the older generation are less tech savvy. I don't think that's not the reason. The reason is that this person has been managing jobs the same way for 30 years. Yes. You're like, what do you want from me now? I know. I mean, I've, I've been this down this road, you know, 10 times before. You think you're going to teach me something new now? Sure. Or it's like, I'm retiring in three years. So you, yeah, you want me to do it differently? Like, screw you. I'm not, I'm not I don't want to get uncomfortable. I don't want to yeah. learn something new. Like, this has worked just fine my entire career. I'm just going to keep doing that. But thanks. Like, that's a cool iPad, but thanks. Like, I'm good over here with my paper and pencil because yeah. it's it's what's comfortable. It's what's worked so well for so long. And in a lot of ways too, like companies act when they're financially incentivized to act typic on, on average, on average, yeah. You, yeah, you will yeah. always have the front runners doing things before everybody else, because they know they need to innovate. They know they need to, that's, that's really how to get a leg up on everybody else. But on average, the industry acts when they're financially incentivized to do so right now, companies are are making too much money. They're not hurting enough financially to really incentivize the 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 shift that needs to happen in a lot of ways. But the pressure every year, the dial just gets turned up more and more and more because all these people, the retirements are accelerating right now and yeah. we're not replacing them and the backlog continues to grow. And there's going to be that tipping point where everybody's going to recognize this is the only way to survive as a business. And people like you, companies like yours, you'll, you'll be there to capture that market when that tipping point does occur. Like right now, you're still getting those early adopters. You're not like your market penetration is probably minuscule compared yeah. to what the potential is. Yeah, but you're refining it now. So then, when that does happen, which is inevitable at this point, yeah, come on down, come on down. Yeah, I, I think it, it is both, as you say, and it will happen. It's inevitable. I also think that it's you know, 
it's in many ways part of our job, you, me, others, you know, to, to push that. Yes. Show what could be done, show what is possible. Yeah. You know, when, we, when we produce studies that show efficiencies or inefficiencies or productivity of construction, I'm not doing that as, a, as an academic exercise. I'm doing that as an attempt to show this industry we need to be doing certain things. Look, look, here are numbers that show you. Sure. Well, you, I, but that, that's the cool thing about software and working with so many companies. I, I see that all the time too, even with companies saying, well, that just wouldn't work for us. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, there's, here's 10 examples of it working really well at companies very similar to yours around the United States. Yeah. So like if they can figure it out, you, you can surely figure it out. Like I, I just, but I, I don't argue. I, I, hey, if you know best, you know, you know your business better than I ever will. That's fine. But I'm also looking at the data. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that because it's working just fine over here. So like, yeah, the product's not perfect, but it's working. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. We're, we're only a year into software. So it's still, we've still got a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, it's, it's, it's a process. It's a process and it's showing those things. And I think in many ways, many times people are justifiably scared looking like an idiot of making yeah. a big hoorah decision and then bringing something that will be a total failure. And you, you're just showing them, look, here are people like you that have already made that decision and survived. You're like, okay, so I'm not going to look completely dumb. That's already a good thing. Well, so many companies, I don't know if you found this or not, they've got, they've got bit by other software companies before yeah. that they're just these salespeople. They're just trying to sell and meet quotas. They don't give a shit if it works or not. So buy our product. Oh, it'll be great for you. And they get it and they, they're just, it's worthless. Every time I hear like, oh yeah, we just spent a million dollars on this. And I, and they tell me what this is. I'm just like, oh no. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't. And then now they've already signed the contract. They've written the check. And then now what are they going to do? Go back to their boss and say, sorry, boss. I just made a big boo-boo. And so the, instead they force some stupid software on the entire organization, everybody hates it. So, so it doesn't work effectively whatsoever. They're trying to save face, which I completely understand. And now not only do they, the buyer, ha they, they have a bad attitude as far as buying new software, implementing new software, but the whole organization's like, oh, so you're going to get another, they just hear software. They're like, so we're going to do this again. Like, I don't want to do it again. This sucks. And yeah. I, I found that's, that's, a lot of companies have a bad taste in their mouth for technology right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we've seen that happen. That is, that is a big challenge. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can tell that when somebody looks at you and a look that says, I know you people, I don't trust you. Yeah. And yeah. it's very hard to tell them, look, wait, I'm an honest guy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I swear I'm not trying to screw you. Yeah. Well, it's just uh, I, construction is very mistrusting, too. It's they're contractors. It's all about yeah. the contract. It's there's a there's more litigation than ever before. There's more permitting. There's more insurance. There's more yeah. there's more complaints and, and claims and everything is more than ever before right now. And so everybody's always they're always looking over their shoulder. You know who's trying to get me? And I'm I'm just sitting here watching that happen. I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? I'm like I'm not trying to screw you. And yeah, like, yeah. The yeah. First, uh, 
I screwed up, but I'm not trying to screw you. Like it's yeah, it's not it's not legitimate. I'll take I'll take all my responsibility. And then sometimes you take responsibility, and they still they they're like, well, no one takes responsibility. So like, what are you trying to do here? I'm like, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing my best. What, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. But it, it is as you say. It's that mentality that has been ingrained in the industry because of you know because of the contracts and the way it works. The first PX I ever met told me, look, you think that what we do is engineering. You are wrong. What we do is we manage relationships and we negotiate. Mm -hmm. He goes, that's my job. <laughs> Which he continued to saying, because of that, you will always lose in negotiations with me. Because yes. that's my job. <laughs> yes. That was when he was trying to get a discount. For uh, yeah. For yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, He's I'm sure they're trying. By the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's why that's that's where the venture money comes into play. It gives you a little bit of flexibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, this was. I, I enjoyed this. Likewise. It's a, a a different market, but I I just I like hearing about other technology providers that get it because there aren't many in the industry. Yeah. As big as it is. Then it's so fascinating too, especially with what we've seen in the the venture capital world. Everybody is just like, there's this big hunger to get. They're calling you contact. That's the that's the term. They they're yeah. telling like I'm like, I'm I'm talking to these VCs. I'm like, what the hell is a contact? What what are you what are you even talking about? I don't. I'm not very smart, so I don't I don't understand most of what they're saying. And uh, but they're they know it's an underserved market. They know that, and yeah. they're just they're just starving to get in on the action somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that is also what generates a lot of, you know, companies that come at it with the wrong attitude. They come at it. Oh, totally. Like, oh, somebody will get, I don't know. Oh, I, like I go to more job sites than most people and I'll look at what a lot of these companies are investing in. And it, it a lot of times just bothers me. Because it's yeah. like that company, they just knew how to put a pitch deck together. They knew how to put a pretty website together. They knew what to say to these venture capital groups. But that is worthless. That is yeah. of no value. And yeah. that is ta ta like tackling this little baby problem over here that doesn't matter at all to the grand scheme of things. But me, you know, we, we come along. Hey, we're, we're tackling head on the industry's biggest challenge right now. Ah, uh, now nah, we're good. Like... All right. Okay. All right. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> it's a tricky world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so the company, it's build.dots.dots. Yeah. Okay. So if anybody wants to look you guys up, that's where to find you. Yeah, that's where it is. Excellent. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. We're going to stop recording and uh, try to upload this and then I'll let you go. First, that'd be fantastic. <laughs>